This interview has been made possible thanks to the kindness and generosity of a few listeners that have donated funds toward the cost of producing it. Lawrence and myself would like to thank the following people. Cliff Doherty, thank you, Cliff. Kelly Green, thank you, Kelly. Jackie Cunningham, thank you, Jackie. Sherry Wakeman, and thank you, Sherry. Jason and Ursula Goldsworthy, thank you both very much. Amanda De Vogel, thank you, Amanda, for your support. Kim Degner gave two donations. Thank you, Kim, for both. And finally, Lynn Cotterall, thank you so very much, Lynn, for your support. Also, a huge thank you to the Spirit to Talk Foundation Guardians who give a recurring donation every month. Without them and the peoples whose names we've just mentioned, this Spirited Talk Story Edition would not have been possible and free for you to hear today. So thank you all very much. This is the Spirited Talk podcast. Conversations and much more about connecting with our friends and lost ones in the spirit world. And welcome back. This is the second part of this amazing story from uh, Laurie Saville that I have with me today. Do you know, I am so delighted that you're still on screen. Have you had a good time since we last spoke? Yes, indeed. I found it very informative for myself, which is lovely. A few things that were said I revisited in that short break. And so actually, yeah, I can see the underpinning knowledge that's gone in there and probably explanations of why we went through things at one age of our life to support us in another age of our life. It's almost like somebody planned it all, isn't it? <laughs> Brilliant. We left it in the last episode where your friend, your your best friend at the time, your dog, had gone to spirit. That's what this half's about. I want to find a little bit more about uh, Laura's spirituality, spiritualism. I want to hear more about the Pool Christian Church as well. Let's start right at the very beginning then. So when did you become, uh, what's the word, knowledged, aware that there was another world, there was something there that was interesting to you? I think that probably goes back, as we discussed earlier, to my school years, because the creative arts incentivized me and engaged me and captivated my imagination to create these worlds within worlds. So that was already there within my energy. But the formulation, the encapsulation into spiritualism, that would have started at the age of 13 when my mother got involved with a spiritualist church. At the time, she was a night nurse working in the Paul General Hospital. And right next door to the hospital was a little old spiritualist church that had been there for donkey's years as is common with people who are working within the energy of others, so carers, healers, nurses, doctors, nail technicians, hairdressers, 
this awareness starts to come into their consciousness. And that was the case of my mother of uh, working nights on surgical wards. There was always that demand there from the patients and sometimes the expiration of patients at night time. So she started to attend the spiritualist church next door to the hospital. She became then very quickly engaged with the whole thought of this is not it. You know, this is a part of the whole. And she became also part of the committee there taking up the treasurer's duties. And then there were the Saturday mornings of going down to church. It was one of those really old-fashioned churches which had wooden pews within, wooden floorboards, wooden pews. I always remember that smell. It was so evocative of church. Being of that age where you weren't allowed to be left alone, I have no idea what I would have got up to, but uh, we never found out because I was whisked off to church to help. I always remember it, lavender, lavender wax polish. And I used to have to polish these pews. And I used to think, why am I polishing these pews? Because all that's going to happen is some old dear is going to sit down and go, whoop! <laughs> But within that, then that was my introduction to spiritualism. And then from that, my mother's development path was sitting in circles with what we lovingly refer to today as the old mediums of the past. And that was certainly a generation. So I was in circle from the age of 14 and sat with some wonderfully accomplished mediums, not names of note uh, and fame that we see today, but nonetheless great exponents of spirit world and the communication that is achievable between the two. So between the ages of 14 and 16, I was quite a regular in quite a few local circles of, as I say, just so, such great mediums. You know, we had, we had amazing times. We had one gentleman who was a beautiful soul, and he used to get up on the platform, and age and years used to show on him, and he would gently make his way to his seat. But when he was called upon to speak, I always remember seeing him stand up and up and up, and this presence and this voice filled I and mean, it was amazing absolutely amazing times and the wonderful mediums there was a delightful lady Carrie Penn who used to travel up from Weymouth and the delivery of evidence not of psychism of pure evidence of bringing that spirit presence through to be felt not only by the sitter but by everybody congregated there so I had that beautiful grounding, that wonderful time of two years where I was very engaged. The seed was sown for future life during those two years because I had the great privilege and honour of sitting with and seeing demonstrating absolutely ardent, passionate, realistic, driven spiritualists of that time you mentioned the word there psychism we're going to come back to that you know there's always been famous mediums when we go back into our early days you've got gordon you've got doris you've got these big names who was the first if you like big name uh medium that you came into acquaintance with oh that would have been colin fry 
he was at a church which is sadly no longer in existence in the area, the Parkstone Spiritualist Church. And he gave a demonstration of trance with his guide, Magnus, I believe it was. And he also took a service there. So that was my first incursion into uh, the Vox Popular mediums of the time. Mm. Oh, I, I absolutely love Colin Fry. He was one of one, two, maybe three people that really influenced me wanting to explore this. And, and I had the privilege of meeting Colin at Charminster Church one day. And, you know, everybody gathers around the medium when they can. I didn't. I thought, I'll go outside and have a fag because, you know, <laughs> who am I? I'm just nothing. I went outside and I've stood in the car park for a fag and uh, a gentleman came and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, have you got a light please and I turned around it was Colin and he'd come out for a fag himself and and I just spoke to him as well (laughs) 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 well I I loved him absolutely loved him sadly missed very yeah did you get to see I I know I'm aging you too much here you didn't get to see our big Gordon work or Doris or any of those sadly not Sadly not. We did have a uh, medium who I was unaware of their prominence within the movement. Jessie Nason, who used to come down from London, uh, she was a fairly regular visitor to us here at Paul Church. That was in my mother and father's time of running the church. And Jessie Nason and my mother, I always remember, were like long-lost sisters, not only in physicality, but also their approach to life, both being South London girls, I think brought in that common denominator. But I always remember, Jesse, we were sat at the table one day and, you know, people, I don't know if people think this, that when you have visiting mediums stay with you, that you're just going to sit, you know, every morning over breakfast, you're going to get a reading or you're going to get guidance in your life. Well, that's actually really not true because we actually just talk about bikes, the universe and everything. It is not a a non-stop barrage of information from the spirit world. However, we were talking at the table and Jesse Nasa, I always remember this with vivid clarity. So it was meant to be remembered. Jesse looked at me and she went, the spirit world have got a lot in store for you, that you've got to go out and live your life. But she said, but just be ready because when it starts, it will be a roller coaster. And I was, and I, you know, that's probably at the age of 14, 15, you know, and I, I, I'm at that age now where I can't remember if I've had breakfast today or I've put underwear on or whatever, you know. <laughs> I can recall that because the presence of spirit was there. It touched my soul. And here we are today, living proof that, thank you, Jesse. Uh, oh, bless. Thank you, Jesse, for that message. And yes, it's bared fruit. Here we are today. And at that moment, you felt her spirit because you flickered yes. your neck. Uh... I felt somebody close. And I always acknowledge when I, I can differentiate between when I'm just cold <laughs> or too hot or you can feel spirit around and just feel that subtle shift in the energy. Uh, Laurie, I have to say right now I'm shivering. So I kind of think we are, we have energy. We have the spirit world 
those around us right now. I'm I'm really shivering. In fact, I've become quite emotional. So uh, mm-hmm. l- l- let's get going with this. One of the good things about uh, we mentioned Gordon Higginson uh, there as one of the great modern pioneers, and you say, "Oh no, I've not really met him as such or worked with him," but I know that you were influenced by his teaching through one of his students, Mr. Glenn Edwards. Yes, indeed. And it's, again, my favourite phrase of the moment is a broadsword, which I mean, it has two edges. The popularity of mediums, this rise in popularity and public acclaim, is beautiful. It brings forward the voice of spiritualism. It brings forward that truth, that knowledge, that of the continuity of life. And once we actually really begin to engage with that energy, it is life-changing. It really is. And that is what spirit wants. We want that communication. We want that closeness for the inspiration, for healing, for philosophy, for evidential mediumship, for all these gifts and so, so many more. But with the rise of the, for want of a better expression, the famous mediums, this broadsword element comes into effect. A medium is merely that uh, membrane between two different surfaces. So it's that conduit between uh, the etheric and the material world. And many things will affect that, affect our ability. As a working medium, and I had this recently, literally uh, an hour before I was due to work, I had to negotiate an extremely difficult and emotive conversation with somebody and that affected my performance. Now, with the, the grapes, the public demand, I've said this before, if I were to stand on the platform and levitate next week, which I would love, <laughs> after, you know, 30 people have run out screaming, those remaining, what would they see? What would they take from that? Would they then come back next week expecting the same? And if next week that were to repeat, but then the next week they come back, they will come back wanting more. Okay, so you've levitated. Now let's see you do a 360 degree. What is that teaching? What is that knowledge? Is that bringing to people? And I think sometimes the public demand upon our public figure mediums is wanting more, but lacking the underpinning teaching of what is going on. I have the greatest admiration for the greats of the past and today who will go out and continue to demonstrate evidential mediumship to theatres, to churches, to centres, wherever, not only in the UK, but also in Europe. But that message from spirit is about, you know, encouraging you to investigate. Once you've had that evidence. Don't continue to go back to be amazed and be in awe yet again of somebody. If somebody has particularly brought in that vibration, that pure clarity of a message to you, the message to you from spirit is saying, we're alive. Not only are we alive, we are continuing on in that life between lives. We are engaging in different things that we were never able to in the physical world. And this is open to you. And this is your encouragement to start looking into spiritualism, not to endlessly pursue mediums up and down the country or, as we see now, online for a reading on top of a reading on top of a reading. 
you've had your message. You've got your evidence. Go out there and follow that path. One of the facets we've got also today, I don't know, this is kind of more personal than uh, factual here. Maybe you can correct me on this. But if, uh, let's say, Trevor Baldwin attended Pool Spiritualist, uh, Christian Spiritualist Church in the next few days, there would be great expectation uh, for me to be a good medium because I'm nobody, I'm not a name that's known, and therefore there would be more arms cr closed than perhaps uh, you would expect. Whereas if my name was Gordon Higginson and I turned up at your church, every Tom, Dick and Harry in the audience wants a reading from Gordon. So Gordon would only have to say, I have a lady in spirit here and a thousand hands would go up because oh, they want that reading by the master himself. Do, do, do you understand the difference? I, I think exists sometimes because of this fame side of mediumship. I do. I do very much. And actually slightly consciously but probably more unconsciously one of the things that we have been working ardently here at church since we were reopening after the lockdowns is to present a very wide and varied array of mediums and mediums who are engaged on that principle of they can do the job they can present evidence from spirit they can communicate with spirit they can bring through spirit's presence their energy their love and their upliftment regardless if they are a known or unknown medium and that is actually reflecting now in the congregation's feedback and conversations because we, uh, I pride myself that our congregation here at Paul have the access to that education to understand what is the majesty of that moment. Um, people who have watched me online, some people may not like my approach, and that's absolutely fine. And some people love my approach, and I'm ever so grateful. But I'm also always very encouraging, A, to encourage the congregation that you make the service. You're, in, you're not here to see somebody up here work. We're here to see who's come in today, to see who will work with us. And that's a slight shift in the energy, but very important. But also to realise each and every evidential message, no matter who brings it. It could be the likes of Gordon. It could be the person stood next to you in the supermarket queue. But if they bring through that solid evidence of the continuation of life that is their job and I'm so pleased you know I do it in my engagements with the congregation before the medium works apparently this is getting quite well known I, I didn't realize it but I have a little thing where I say remember this is a three-way conversation and we require you to be part of that conversation so I do a thing from the platform and you say yes, no, or maybe. And I make people go through that. They, they're brilliant and they love it. I think they love it. <laughs> but yes, no, maybe. Because it is about engaging with the medium of the day. 
regardless. Imagine if you had were able to have a phone call with your friend in the spirit world and they come through and they go, hello, hello, are you there? Are you going to say, prove who you are? Yeah, are you going to say, no, I need your name. I need your date of birth. Tell me what your phone number is. Are mm. you going to ask for that evidence or are you going to accept that you've got a phone call? And again, the broad-edged sword comes into play here. We also need within our congregations, and this is where, in my opinion, uh, many churches and centres have not met the needs of the congregation in as much as the education side to it. Uh, in the understanding of how evidential mediumship works, on the understanding that, you know, if you had two mediums here and spirit showed them a fish, one may say a fish, which would mean everything to a sitter. The other medium will see a fish and go, oh, I'm seeing a cod. And they're going, I have no idea why you're seeing a cod. So that one crucial piece of evidence through the mediumship of the medium can have that slight change, but it's understanding the essence and the energy of it. I had a private sitting recently where a father figure came in and I gave the description of this gentleman's personality and everything, and quite an in-depth description, where the sitter turned around and said, has he got a name? I was dropped out of my energy a wee bit and I just said, when your dad used to walk in the room when you were 14, did you used to say to him, have you got a name? Or did you recognise his presence? And he went, oh yeah, I get it. And this is part of the education that we need to engage with congregations and attendees to demonstrations, that we are working with the energy and the presence of people. And you go back to the thing about levitation, you know, if this week I bring through their name and address, next week they're going to come back and say, well, what's their phone number? You know, spirit will present evidence, but it's a two-way thing. They'll give you the evidence. It's up to you to pick up the evidence and examine it and not turn it into an endless display of mysticism. This is where we move from being the magician within our mediumship to the mystic within our mediumship. This presentation was brought to you from the Spirited Talk Foundation. Education for improving your connections with the world of spirit. Learn from listening to others that are keen for you to progress in your own unfoldment. If you'd like to support this wonderful project with an ongoing subscription, why not consider becoming a Spirited Talk Guardian? You'll get to hear these episodes ahead of everyone else and free access to all the content in the Foundation Library. And of course, you'll be supporting this amazing audio source into the future. Visit our website at spiritedtalk.foundation. That's spiritedtalk.foundation. Thank you for your support. Now, I am raising funds for the next story episode, which will be recorded as soon as we've reached the target. If you want to contribute towards the episode, please send your donation to paypal.me slash spiritedtalk. That's all one word, paypal.me slash spiritedtalk. You don't need to have a PayPal account for this service as credit and debit cards are accepted. You'll get early access to the final production and a mention within the recording. Be generous and support Spirited Talk Radio. Thank you. <laughs> We're in radio now, are we? Fantastic. Yeah.
you say you sat in a circle around about the age of 14 plus. Uh, when did you first become aware that you had a talent for this yourself or a gift that was there on the surface? And what Claire was it? Uh, I mean, as in, you know, Claire, mm-hmm. what Claire was it that became the prominent one for you? Well, I think at the time it was clairvoyance. Although I saw things which have evidential value, one sitter, uh, one circle I sat in was run by two sisters. And when we were asked, I, I very sheepishly said, this is going to sound really stupid because we overanalyze everything. I said, but there was a knight in shining armor stood behind you on a horse and her face lit up. And she said, well, that is my guide. And you had no knowledge. The opening up of the Claire's at that time, it was very much an introduction because I hadn't got the experience, the education and the knowledge there to start really engaging with what I was seeing. It was, it just happened. It just happened within a circle. I always remember uh, one circle leader saying to me, Lawrence, you're doing the opening prayer. And I'm like, am I? And then out of my mouth came an opening prayer and everybody agreed and not being nice, they agreed from an intelligent perspective that that opening prayer was very suitable to the occasion, to the working with spirit and the energy in which we were in. But I didn't have that underpinning knowledge to understand it. It just happened. So that was my seeding time. That was my time of going, okay, it's there gather these experiences because one day everything will start to unfold and you will start to go look back and go, ah, I see what you did there. Very clever. Yeah. Did, did, you know, we mentioned uh, the lady Joan Dunbar and I sat in a circle and one week she said to me, she said, Trevor, next week you're going to be doing the opening prayer for the evening. I went, really? <laughs> so anyway, for the whole of that week, excitingly, I prepared a prayer, a prayer. I typed it out. It was printed. It was beautiful. I kept changing the lines. I made sure it's absolutely word perfect. And she said um, on the evening, I took it there and she said, OK, Trevor, you start the evening off with your opening prayer. So I went into my top pocket. I got my sheet of paper out and I went, (coughs) and I read it word for word. And I was so impressed. And she went, very good. You'll do the prayer next week without any notes. And I thought, oh, and the next week it was terrible. (laughs) It was terrible. But you know what? I didn't understand it at that time. But now I think, oh, my God, how limited my knowledge was. You you know, I know, we could do a prayer now that we could take the rest of Saturday to do it uh, yeah. because, you know, we have that inspiration. But, yeah. We often fear things because uh, we fear that we are going to make ourselves look stupid. And that is a huge stumbling block to the development of any medium in whatever field. But if you can take the viewpoint of rather we're not showing our lack of knowledge, we are exploring our vulnerabilities and working that energy. That is a beautiful way to work and go, okay, yeah, that prayer, you know, emotions, fear and everything got in the way. So I need to take them out because I know I can do it because I know they're there. Exploring our vulnerability. I love that. I love that. That is a phrase from a book, Magician for Mystic, which is written by Simon James and Brian Robertson of the Inner Quest Foundation. When I read it, I went, I get that. 
I get that. And as we were talking earlier about knowledge and information is to be shared. You know, we should not have proprietary rights on uh, the flow of information and knowledge from the spirit world. It is there to be shared. It is there to spread out and to be furthermore. I always say life is like a giant game of marbles, that we all sit there tossing our marbles into the ring, which hit others and hit others and hit others. And that's the way the world works. And I think it's just beautiful. You talked about uh, healing. When did you first explore healing and how important do you think that was in your uh, future development? I came into healing energy and engaging with it in a conscious level. It supports my theory that we are all healers and the things that we do and say and actions that we take are often invoked under the energy of healing, the opening of the door for somebody, the carrying of the bag for somebody, the call to somebody, light-hearted conversation with somebody. You know, we are engaged as healers, although we may not be aware. But my first conscious engagement with healing energy was, as many people, uh, learning Reiki. So I dutifully did Reiki 1, and then through Reiki 2, we had a lovely lady who used to come in every week. She must have been so healed this way because we all practiced on it. And when I was working with her, I was aware of a presence, and it just it was just naturally there. It wasn't like, oh, no, you know, I'm doing this. It was just like, okay, well, this is part of the process. This is interesting. And when I could give off the information after the session had finished, uh, I stress that, I emphasize that because I'm a very big exponent. If you're going to be a healer, be a healer. If you're going to be an evidential medium, be an evidential medium. Please do not combine the two because you're working in different energies. When was the last time you saw an evidential medium jump off the platform and go and give healing to somebody in the congregation? Likewise, similarly, I believe very firmly that if you are engaged in the art of spiritual healing, that you work with that energy and what you may receive may not be for others' validation. It may be for your own information. Moving on. Sorry, bandwagon time. Not bandwagon, soapbox time. So, yes, it became very clear. And actually, I was very fortunate the lady who was holding uh, this course understood what was going on and just said, well, you can go through to the end of Reiki 2 if you want. She said, but my advice, go and find yourself a circle to sit in. So I went, oh, okay. <laughs> always do as I'm told. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was my first involvement with engaging with spirit on an intelligent level. You said about your healing. You class it as spiritualist healing. So, in other words, you were passive during that. With the Reiki, I found, and this is only my experience, and this is always a very emotive subject sometimes with people, I found the actual discipline of Reiki was not conducive to my ability as a spiritual healer. So as a spiritual healer, again, I am working with uh, my mediumship. Now, I, I have adopted phraseology here which probably irritates some people but some people find interesting of defining our mediumship so if i am working on a platform i am an evidential medium i am giving that evidence when i am working as a healer i am a healing medium i am that conduit between two energies 
process to deliver that healing without my physical mind or presence getting in the way of that and just allowing that to be delivered. So I practice spiritual healing, whether that be hands-on or by absent healing, uh, it matters not. Healing is healing. You know, we have healing every day in our lives. We all have the opportunity to carry out that wondrous gift and ability of healing through thought, action, word, and deed, because energy follows thought. Whenever I cringe at a moment when a guest speaks about something that's against the grain for me, I know that I've got some learning to do. And right now, I have some learning to do. And you're the master, and I'd like to learn from you. Your your uh, personality is one of evidence of wanting to know something works, to be involved, to see it. Yet you are open to doing spiritualist healing where you have to be passive and you won't necessarily see the results. In fact, most of the times you'll have no results from that visible at that time. How do you deal with that yourself? It's recognising within being a healing medium that it's, it's the ultimate tr lesson in trust and any medium of any ability is always going to have that trust issue raised. Uh, in evidential mediumship, I'm thinking I'm seeing a pineapple, and that sounds ridiculous because I don't trust what's being given. Uh, with our healing mediumship, we trust that healing is given. Now, you know, often people will present with a physical ailment. And healing is given, and that physical ailment may for a time recover a bit, but then slip back, or there may be no changing. But often physical ailments are echoes, I call them, of our many bodies. So it could be an emotional cause, it could be a trauma, it could be any number of things which is manifested as a bad knee or a bad back. Many of the great evidential mediums working today started off their path as healing mediums because you have to develop that trust. You have to develop that knowing that healing has been delivered. And like all things, it's a two-way action. I can give you something. What you do with it is entirely up to you. But if I know that I've given you that whatever in honesty and integrity, I shouldn't engage myself in being mindful of what you are doing with it. Because sometimes, you know, people are stuck in some emotional debate or some mental debate about something. And we can keep on giving and giving and giving. And how they handle that is actually none of our business. We should just take that knowledge that we know that we're doing it for the highest and the best that we can be. We know that our healing mediumship is an ever-evolving journey, as is all our other forms of mediumship. And at that time, we have shown that beauty and care to be there to dispense that healing. And that is enough for us. And we often see end-of-life cases where... We cannot, as healers, interfere with a soul's journey. And if that soul is there allotted time to return to that life between lives, we can't stop that. And it's not our place to stop that. And we should never endeavour to stop that. But we can give healing. 
we can allow that transition to be one of less pain, be it physical or mental anguish. We can allow that healing to spread out to those who are directly affected by that loss and that time. Because healing works on the spirit, and the spirit doesn't need to be encased in flesh to receive healing. Powerful lessons to me as well here. Uh, very much so. Thank you very much for that. Uh, you're very much an exponent of uh, education. You have already talked to me over the last uh, two days about uh, books and about education and philosophy and how important that is. Did you ever uh, want to take your education a little bit further? Did you go off to the Arthur Finlay College, for example, and uh, take anything up? No, I've not been a visitor to uh, the college, but I have attended workshops and circles and discussion groups. And also in this time of the electronic medium, to uh, put it in a, a caring fashion, is gaining experience, real working experience from people. But there's also in me raised a, a thought and a train of thought that I, like many, many, many other uh, platform mediums, we get to a stage in our development where we're sort of like left alone. It's a bit like, you know, you're at school now, go on, off you go, shoo. Uh, so we tend to maybe delve into a workshop here, workshop there, workshop here, and gathering all this and sometimes conflicting. We have these little revelation moments maybe in a workshop, but that wears thin after a time. We need to bring in a structure to the development of our mediums, no matter what form of mediumship. We need to bring in and certainly look at, are we providing that necessary support you know you go along to a workshop and I'm sure many 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 other people have had to say you may go along to a workshop and have this great revelation of something of something coming in but what happens then because you're out of that work that workshop's over and done with and you probably don't have the contact with the person who was teaching you at the time so I'm very much uh, engaged in bringing back some structure to our training of not only people new to mediumship, but also established mediums. Because I, I often wonder, what does this say? That when uh, we have certain workshops and courses run, not only here, in many places up and down the country, and both in person and online, so the availability is enormous, that we don't see so much of an uptake from already established platform mediums. Now, what is that saying? I find that a fascinating question. You know, we should take our mediumship to the next step every single time. And I know some people may come back, and this is probably where we may get a little bit contentious. Some people may come back and say, well, spirit are teaching me. Well, that, yes, I don't decry that at all. We are being taught by spirit at every available opportunity. But there comes a time when we need to bring that into the physical realm and to be able to talk to with people of like minds in a supportive and nurturing and a structured approach to our continued evolving. You mentioned uh, Glenn Edward. I only met Glenn once at a demonstration. 
So that is my only involvement there. But I am aware that Glenn at one stage went back to uh, an open circle, I believe, or a, a basic circle. And people said, what the hell are you doing? You know, you are Glenn Edwards. What the hell are you doing in this circle? And he said, I've come to unlearn some of the nonsense that I've built up. And I thought, you know what, I really get that because I'm a great one for going back to what I call 1.0 on things at time, revisiting uh, where we started off from, what was our foundation at the time and has that foundation changed or have we maybe, you know, sauntered off the path a bit? When did you get involved in Pool Christian Spiritualist Church? How did that come about? Now, I know you've got a story you want to tell us. Oh, yeah, there <laughs> are several but they all are cohesive. My first involvement was through my parents. And as I said earlier, uh, Saturday mornings, I was down there religiously, one may say, excuse the pun, of polishing the pews. So everybody who sat down would disappear uh, in a great flurry of nylon and laugh. But my mother became the treasurer of the church. Now, through her duties as treasurer of the church, as with many churches of that time, and sadly today, committees were made up of people of an advanced generation, shall we say. And mum, being a sprightly 40-year-old, was a new energy within the committee. Anyway, the church was up for uh, consideration. There was an offer put in by developers at the time. And the church was the last building in this row of beautiful old Victorian villas. And they went in to see the developers and they'd already had a meeting. There was only two other people on the committee. The wonderful Bill Crabb, who was an absolute star. He was a legend. And beautiful Nellie Hale. He was a beautiful, beautiful soul and wonderful medium. Anyway, they'd already agreed on the price for the sale of the property. Went into the developers and the price agreed with the committee was 36000 and when the developer said how much we want for the property, out of my mother's mouth came 72000 And there was this stunned silence from both sides of the table. Uh, Nellie and Bill thinking that mum's lost the plot, and the developer thinking, bloody hell. So they adjourned the meeting, and they were called back in. They said, uh, we can't go to the price you're looking at. We can only go as high as 70000 And they went, oh, that'll do. <laughs> Now, some may say that was spirit-inspired. I tend to think, actually, when I look at the evidential side of things, yeah, probably there was a bit of spirit pushing there. But mum, being of a different generation, actually realised the real financial, fiscal value of the land. So anyway, from that sprang the church as it is today. That was spirit inspiration because the original site had been found committee gathered and went to the estate agents on a Monday morning, nine o'clock prompt to sign the deeds and to start the new life of the Paul Christian Spiritualist Church to find out that that property had actually been sold because it was when gazumping was going on. So that property had actually been sold earlier. Everybody was just stood there going, two years we've been looking for a premise, two years. And the estate agent said, however, this property has just come on the market. It's not even in the window yet. Do you want to have a look at it? And it actually ticked more boxes than the church site that was originally picked by human minds. So that was my grounding. I grew up in that energy of all those events. I then went away and lived a life doing my own thing and accruing my own personal knowledge and came back to the church when parents were 
at that age where care was needed, people kept saying to me, you're going to run this church one day. And I used to say, "And you can delete this if it's not allowed. I went, what bloody likely? Anyway, mum and dad, uh, I looked after them for a time and they both passed the spirit fairly quickly between each other. The church then went into the hands of other presidents who had their own allotted time and their own allotted task by spirit. And there's no use going into the whys and wherefores. Everything has a reason. And then one day after a particularly fiery AGM, where I, I suddenly thought I was in this magician's conference because suddenly people were pulling out bouquets and saying goodbye because the committee all stood down. The end result was I was left with keys and thinking, oh, blimey <laughs> this is not this wasn't in my path this is not in my plan however greater powers saw things in me that I didn't see at the time so privileged to bring about two generations within the church pre-covid we were doing different things we were doing uh, educational things we were doing community things we used to have Thai cheese and I love Monday night Thai cheese and then COVID era, and obviously the changes there, and that really honed down and bore down on me the need for education. And not education presented in the light of I'm right, and if you don't agree with me, you're in the wrong. Education presented very much in the energy of this is a potential way. And if you find fulfillment, if you find engagement within it, great. If you don't, great. You're searching continue searching one of my good friends still a good friend the spiritual talk foundation uh guardian still lives in your area i i don't think i've got his permission to name him but bob we'll call him bob did you ever meet bob's mother now that's a real cryptic thing for you to get your head around uh i'm being told yes i did but i'm not being told who it is which uh, is rather annoying because i like my evidential side okay i will now mute the following uh two seconds while i tell you the name Oh, God, yes. Yes, I met this lady's mother and father, who are uh, what we lovingly call the old school mediums. And the old school mediums, do you know what? They, they lived what they preached. They believed in what they did, and they knew that they were never there. They knew that they were there today where they needed to be, and tomorrow that there would then change. Uh, and they had great philosophy. And, you know, nowadays, sometimes teaching techniques and practices, this lady used to engender a certain amount of fear within me because she was quite an imposing person. And woe betide anybody who uh, tried to pass off nonsense as spirit communication because you would very, very quickly be corrected. And I'll say in today's energy, in today's society, that will foster some negative energies. But do you know what? It was done with honesty and it was done with wholeheartedness and it was done with the truth of the spirit of the day. We get that we absolutely breathe, eat, sleep spiritualism in some way or other. So we are living more of a spiritual life uh, than we were at the very beginning. And it becomes so much part of us. We talk with passion. And sometimes passion can come almost without the humour because we're kind of protective of what we know and what we do. Do, do, do. do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And that's part of our evolving path is to... To understand that where we are on our spiritual pathway is pertinent to us. 
it does not make us right for everybody, but it makes us right for ourselves. And once you accept that, that's quite a fundamental part of our character. Um, I'm happy to engage with people on different conversations in the energy of debates. When sometimes that energy then turns from debate to diatribe, I always remember a little lesson taught to me from spirit, and I love it. It is not my job to drag people out of their orthodoxies. If they are happy and content in that belief, that's your business, Lawrence? Oh, no, it isn't. So keep your mouth shut and keep your nose out. If they are happy with that state of condition at the time, that's absolutely fine. That's beautiful and that's wondrous. Don't take it as a challenge. You use this word, which I've never used so much in myself, psychism. And I'm very excited by this because uh, there's the earth energy and there's the spirit energy. And I've come over the last few months, years even, to understand that there's a very fine line between the two. And in fact, that the spirit influence the earth energy that we receive anyway. I'm not sure where I am on that, but go on, explain psychism. You've just said something which engendered a thought there. You talk about earth energy and spirit energy and all these different energies, which is fine because we're looking outward then. We are identifying that that is a nature energy coming in, that is an elemental energy, that is a spirit energy coming in. So we're looking out at that, but actually we need to do a 180 with our vision and understand how that energy is coming into you. You know, it's fine to perceive there are a million languages out in this world being spoken, written, and thought. How does that engage with you? So, psychism is understanding your own energy first and foremost, not appending it to a certain school. I want to communicate with the earth energies, I want to communicate with the fairy energy the unicorn energies i want to engage with all those but you've got to understand the fundamental you know when you go to school you, you write out a b c and then from that a b c you then learn to make words past tense present tense future tense and then we learn to link all those words up to make a cohesive sentence well if we apply that discipline to our psychism you know, we, we've got to learn our own energy, first and foremost, how our energy is, our awareness of our energy, because that energy then becomes the medium between the earth energies and all the other energies about that we may want to go. And psychism has always had a little bit of a bad rap in spiritualism. I can remember statements being spoken with great vehemence and great authority and saying, well, that was wonderful, but that was only psychism. Well, do you know what? I have met amazing psychics in my time. I use psychic energy in my healing. I use that to investigate and link in with the energy of the person who is presenting themselves. So psychism is a wonderful tool, a wonderful gift, and a wonderful ability. And again, the book, The Psychic Stream by Arthur Findlay is a great read. Uh, to understand how that interacts and it's like building blocks if we go back to the written word you know we learn abc so we're learning psychism as our abc and then we learn how we can work with that with other energies and involve them 
and then understand too, because psychism is more you're reading something. To put it simply, but certainly not a definition, but simple understand. If you're a psychic, you are reading. You are reading somebody's energy. You are reading the energy of that tree over the road. You're reading the energy of a situation or a country or whatever. You are reading that. When you start to work with spirits, you are engaging them on a conversation with another intelligence. You are then engaging on communication where you can be part of that conversation by asking and receiving answers and by putting questions and receiving answers mm. and by given. You know, everybody has an ability, everybody. with. We seem to have this preponderance about wanting to be a platform medium. Well, if everybody got their wish, every platform in the country would be full and standing of evidential mediums with nobody sat in the congregation because we all want to be a medium. We, we should take that pressure off of ourselves and just let our gifts, our abilities to unfold where they are. And part of that process to me is learning and understanding firstly the psychic side of our personality because in and doing that we can develop that awareness of do you know what? I've been chasing to do this for several years now, and quite frankly, it's not working. So maybe, maybe this isn't in my energy, mm. but maybe this is. Now then, you really brought Paul Christian Spiritualist Church onto the map during our COVID situation. You really did. You embraced the technology and were one of the few that actually grabbed it. Tell us about that. Well, that started off, and I always honour this beautiful lady and beautiful soul, the Reverend Ashley Oliver. She sent me a link to a, an online platform, which is StreamYard. And, you know, at that time, we were like, okay, no idea, no script, we're in free fall, let's see what happens. So uh, we had a conversation between the two of us on StreamYard and we went, well, actually, this works. What do you think? So it evolved from there. Uh, and I did a service with Ashley on this platform of StreamYard, but I had got bitten very truly by the bug there. And I thought, you know what? There's potential here. And I love, I love in things and in people when you see potential to help that grow, to tend to those potentials so it very very quickly evolved into online services and meetings being held online firstly on StreamYard, and it became very evident after a while that you have this time lag on StreamYard. so if you're working as an evidential medium and you need confirmation of something you would say is that correct but it would be about 30 or 40 seconds before the response comes up and when you're working evidentially medium issues, 30 or 40 seconds, it's like a lifetime. It seriously is. And you drop right out of your energy. And you think, oh, my God, so will you please answer that? <laughs> Not realizing this is a technical issue. So uh, we then found the wonders of Zoom. And I'll be honest, the first time I used Zoom, I went, hate it, hate it, take it away and burn it. It's evil. I don't like it. But I worked with it and found then capability of zoom presentations of introducing music as part of a divine service of having that 
instantaneous contact, which imbued our mediumship no end, but also opened up the program because I was then no longer bound to mediums in a physical location because by the flick of a button, we were in Brazil, we were in New York, we were in Chicago, that was fun. We were in Florida. Hello, Rob. He's a bundle of fun. And then into Europe as well. But also in doing so, in meeting up with these people, we actually started to talk more, which was something that we never really managed to do because within our movement, you know, we we go to a church service, we turn up, there's a quick cursory hellos, the politeness, get up, do our job, go home. But now we had entered into this uh, energy where actually I could talk with people and we were so fortunate that uh, we were supported by brilliant, beautiful people. Uh, Simon James, Brian Robertson from Canada. Absolutely, you know, and I was like a dog with two tails when they agreed to talk to us. Uh, the wonderful Tim Abbott when he agreed to take one of our divine services. And then I met one of my soulmates, brilliant and illustrious Jack Eckhart from Denmark. And Frederick Hagland in Sweden and Ewan in Edinburgh and all these beautiful people, so many more. And it just opened up. I was very excited because we were in this situation and everything was open. Normality had been pulled out from under our feet. So that very, very quickly became this horrid phrase, my new normal that I would come down into the church and sit with a computer and send out invites to people and going, yeah, we'd love to do work with you, you know, and then setting up all that followed. And I didn't realise at the time, and it is only still now, this is slowly sinking in of how great an effect that had on people who were able to join in with our, first of all, our services and then our conversation. I have an example. I was in Scotland, uh, so I'm 500 miles away from home. And a lady turned around to me and went, Lauren? So I went, yes, darling. And she went, I just want to say thank you so much. You really kept us in touch and you really kept us going through all this time. And I'm like, oh, that's all right. And I carried on the conversation I was having with somebody. And then it suddenly dawned on me. I went, you're 500 miles away from home in a place you've never been. And somebody feels really comfortable to address you by your first name and has that energy of knowing you. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is quite interesting. But then also after when we were allowed to open, and it is only with the blessings and the energy and the presence of some brilliant volunteers at all, uh, we were allowed to reopen. Of course, we had all these different restrictions. You had to be six feet apart. We had to take people's contact details. We were wearing masks. We all had a certain amount of caution and fear there that wasn't present a few months earlier. Uh, but the minute we were allowed to reopen the doors here at Paul, we did. Because I had that drive to open the church to uh reconvene and recommence our works but also the people as i said the volunteers uh sue janet pauline paul todd to name but a few were like yeah we want to be part of that we're gonna you know and these people were coming out of time when most people were still locked in fear at home and they're going through things like having to go to get petrol to get to their church you know they were taking great steps within their personal life to get the church open 
And when we did reopen, we had a great influx of many new people because I, I can't prove this, uh, but I am pretty sure at one stage we were probably the only spiritualist church open to the public in Great Britain. I cannot prove that, and actually I don't really want to prove it, and I don't need to prove it, but it's just an interesting factoid. And we had this influx of people coming in to the church because we've all had our mortality challenge. Great support with many local mediums to come in and work who were willing. It's not only the process of being at the church at those times. If you remember, everything held fear. So the journey here had fear elements of going to a petrol station or getting on a bus or whatever or being in a room with people because I remember my first service after lockdown was at a local church and when I walked out onto the platform there were about 30 people in the congregation and I had a little wobbly because that was the most people I'd seen in any one area for over three months so yeah there was so much going on and it just happened and it was very much spirit-led because I used to come down to the church thinking I'm going to do ABC and I'd end up doing DEF. It worked. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity, uh, Lawrence. I'm, I'm going to actually say this on behalf of many people that will listen to this, including Aran and a few others. I, I just want to say on behalf of everybody, thank you very, very, very much for your inspiration and what you did through the COVID. Uh, what you did was amazing, absolutely amazing. I got to know of your work through different people that were going to your services online. You united so many of us together. So thank you very, very much for what you did. Well, thank you. And on behalf of all those who inspired me and continue to do so, be they in spirit or in the physical world, I accept that accolade on their behalf. I always say the biggest clock in the world, if you take out the smallest cog, it will not work. So everybody is vital to the function. As I say, it's just been a very progressive time because it did actually allow us to look at how we engage with people. And nobody will come up with the one answer that fits all situations. But the direction then which Paul Church followed has engaged people both virtually and in the real world. Our physical attendance in the church for our divine services on the Sunday is amazing. Online works that continue on our Lyceum nights, which has gained great amount of following, whether live at the time or watching on catch-up. And this is something we did not have before COVID. We never discuss our philosophy, our religion, our belief, whether we be working mediums or exponents or whatever, whatever our involvement was with spiritual. We never had that opportunity to discuss our thoughts and feelings and hear others. And that has been a great door opener to many, many people. Could you tell me, do you have a website where people could go and learn about your you and your work with Paul? Yes, certainly. If you search Paul Spiritualist on uh, Google and you get a list up of different sites you can log into, but if you look on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see a link there to the website. On the website, we have the link to our various social media platforms as well. We have our YouTube channel, our Facebook channel, and our Instagram channel is available on there. The beauty is that we have 
built this living record of the works that we have put online. And especially if you go to our YouTube channel, which is PCSC, you will find on there uh, everything that we have done online and it's put into categories, it's put into playlists. So you can re-watch some of the live services, you can re-watch some of the talks, you can re-watch talks on the theme of healing. It's pretty good categorization there. That it's building up this little virtual library now of where we've been and where we're going, which is an ever-evolving path. I will include that information on the info page that I do when this interview uh, goes on to air a personal website. Now then, here we go. This is the fun part of the interview for me. I love this. Um, I've got five quick questions here, yes or no's really for you. Have you enjoyed your experience with Spirited Talk? Hugely, because as I'm talking, I'm analysing and I'm finding things that I'm just saying spontaneously is incredibly interesting, which I find beautiful because it just shows that there's more thought, there's more understanding of things. Now that your interview is nearing an end, what one or two things do you wish I'd have asked you about? Oh, gosh. I think no, I think you've been very eclectic in your interrogation. <laughs> it is brought up many facets of my past experiences and I live very much in the moment you know what everything is about the journey it's not the destination you want an answer to that question about what you wish I'd asked I'm just grateful for what you have asked because going back over the journey to those points has been immensely pleasurable so thank you yesterday in our pre-record sessions I had a problem keeping it together first of all the spirit had been buggers that's the only way of saying it with me <laughs> both of us over the last uh, 48 hours the, everything in this studio went wrong i lost the main camera yesterday i've had to quickly readapt another camera for today we had outages twice yesterday maybe virgin media maybe some little spirit that was doing it but we've had to come through a lot of problems to get here so thank you for sticking uh, with me on that one if you had the opportunity to record a podcast with spirit to talk what subject would you cover? Where do we think spiritualism is going? That would be my preferred subject because that is amazingly evocative. We are in this new world and already we're trying to go, okay, well, that's it. You know, we're, we're done now. This is the new normal. It isn't. The advent of this, the digital approach of spiritualism, be it by podcast, Zoom, StreamYard, whatever, it's a Pandora's box. It's never going to go back in the box. So we've got in 2017, I was talking with some people and I said, you know what? One of the biggest issues in our life is we don't have frontiers anymore. I said, if you go back even in living memory, we had new frontiers, we had new lands to explore, new ways of life. And it, it just seems like now the digital age has put an end to that. But how wrong was I? Because we now have this new frontier. The electronic version of spiritualism has such a great potential. And we need to continue working and developing it and evolving it with intelligence now i know i keep using that word because we do sometimes become very passive uh, in our approach to spirit you know we just sit there come on spirit tell me something 
And they're sat there going, well, what do you want me to tell you? Because you're passive. We did a divine service recently with wonderful Jack from Denmark and wonderful Frederick from Sweden. And I purposely set up this divine service to just show what is achievable with this wonderful medium of Zoom in presenting a service, in the format, in the layout, in the introduction videos, in the way that we manage our speakers by putting them into a breakout room so we're not overhearing the conversations that are going on. And it was a sheer joy to do, not only working with those two, who I both have grown so fond of both of them over the last couple of years but also in the presentation you can actually access that on our PCSC the YouTube channel to not look at it from the point of view of what spirit is saying but look at it from the point of view of how we can present spiritualism as a professional understanding as a disciplined way of presenting it you know to actually engage with the senses of people this this is going to go on for years and generations and I'd like to think there's a little message out there for somebody probably in worry 2020 somebody in 2052 if you're sat there listening to us today in your world of 2052 greetings from your past i'll be about 50 then wow and a rest i have to thank you for something that may not come across in these last two interviews but you have the most terrible sense of humor <laughs> yesterday in the pre-records you did everything to put me off the tiny little bit of connection that we had once i looked up and there was hager the horrible on the screen with your, <laughs> with your bit, and i was like oh my god i've got a loony and it was very very hard and then there was roland the rat was uh, appearing on screen but thank you for your sense of humor it is wonderful to know that i'm not the only loony in this world thank you it's been an absolute pleasure on that I also want to thank you personally, Laurie, because nowadays, in the last, uh, in fact, I think this was the first interview, that was fully sponsored by the public. In other words, it didn't come out of my bank account as, as hard. And so we had a host of uh, sponsors that have all been named in the first episode. But I said to you uh, yesterday in the pre-records, we need to arrange some bank details because I'm giving all of our speakers a fee from now on because it's only right you give so much time. Without any hesitation, without any prompting, you turned, you were nodding while I was telling you, you said, no, you're not, I don't want a fee from you for this work. That fee that would have gone to you is now going towards the next episode. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that donation to me. Okay, absolute pleasure. It's been a joy, an absolute joy uh, engaging with you, Trevor. Uh, you refer to my humour. Well, my philosophy in life is, you know what, we didn't come here to be miserable. It's only us that makes it bloody miserable. So when we can find humour, yeah, go for it. And regarding fee, as I said, with education, education should be free. Education is given by spirit to share freely. It's not given to be part of a copyrighted that you've got to pay for material. It's given in love and we pass that on. We pass on that energy. 
Mm, I, I think I'll learn from that lesson myself. Somewhere in there, I need to find a compromise. Thank you very, very much for that. Uh, I want you to end these uh, double episodes. Uh, I'm going to say thank you very, very much for what you've given. I am now excited that I've got a new friend. He's staring at me on screen, trying to put me off because he doesn't know what I'm about to say. But thank you very much for coming into my life, coming into so many people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's trying to put me off here, but he won't. I'm going to let you have the final word. I'd like you to share a few moments with our listeners now, a mantra or some little message you'd like to give to everybody. Well, there's nothing like pressure, is there? You know what? Enjoy life. And remember, this life, we elected to be here. Now, whether you agree with that or not, I'm sorry, but it is my truth. So find those nuggets, find those times. Remember, in the darkest days, that's when the light brightest. And you're all amazing. Each and every one of you listening, no matter where or when or in what time frame, you're amazing because you're here today and you've gone through stuff that you thought, I'll never get through that. This is going to be, I can never cope with that. But here you are today. So take the joy from that. We are done. That's an epic. Uh, how, how many hours? Well, two, three, I told you. Uh, um, thank you very, very much. Did you think it went okay? I enjoyed it. I I actually enjoyed it. I enjoy engaging with people. This is very much in my energy now. As I've gone are the days where we do these dry, dusty, telling people what to do. That's bollocks. You know, we've got to engage in conversation and find find that truth in us because we're always learning you know and people's questioning uh invokes thoughts in, in prompts growth uh and that is right up my street this time yes i've got uh, elaine is popping around i've been keeping an eye out for her uh, okay Just double make sure she's not sat out there in the car quietly stewing okay um, that's the first time I've seen you stood up. Let's see what you're right. uh, you, you shaped. Don't, because you might be commando. You mentioned it earlier on. Um, <laughs> it worried me that he'd stand up and he got no pants. Oh, today's the day. I forgot. Here's a full moon and here's Uranus. Right. Have a great day, my friend. And you, mate. And thank, thank you, you very much. I have thoroughly enjoyed that. That's been uh, very engaging. Um, fun and informative. As I said, it's just prompted thoughts and sort of like reassured me personally on a few areas of my life. Because when I, you know, when you say your thoughts, and sometimes you think, oh, good God, what was I thinking? But I was saying thoughts and thought, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad Spirited Talk is now on your radar. So thank you very much for that. Brilliant. All right. Thank you, Dred. Have a great day. Goodbye. And thank you. you. And we're off air, and um, I'm just switching as I speak here. Uh, everything, I'm going to take that down in a moment. I've got a camera to fix because we have had all sorts of problems on this interview. Uh, I thought Lawrence was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
fantastic interview. I really can't wait to get on editing it, uh, which is going to happen very, very soon. Thank you for staying with me on this. Um, I'm supposed to do the introduction. Now, I haven't wrote an introduction, which I tend to do. So let me see what happens if I just ad-lib now. I've got nothing in front of me now, but I'm going to try and carry on. I'll just put a slate.